Hey everyone, this is Matt, and once again, welcome to another Overflow Pod. We are in our Unshakable series, and we're on the sixth test in the book of Daniel, where Nebuchadnezzar failed to listen to the dream from God and the interpretation from Daniel. He refused to repent and humble himself, admitting it was due to God's power, not his own. So he loses his sanity. He becomes like a wild beast prowling in the desert. Years later, he recovers by God's grace. And he does two things. He looks to God and starts to worship him. So Nebuchadnezzar looked up to God, worshiped God, and went through this recovery. And he learns four things about God. And he wants to tell the whole world about him. These are the statements that will, that can and will stabilize your life, whether you're going through success or suffering. Four things Nebuchadnezzar learned from his fall from the test of success because he was the most rich man in the world and he took it all as his own doing and he failed the test of success and he fell into madness. And this is what he learned. Number one, God's kingdom will outlast everything he does. Now we all want things to last. We want things that create an impact, not just for today, but down the road. So if you want to make a lasting impact with your life, bet on the kingdom of God. See, your career isn't going to last. Even where you live won't last. Just this week, this past week, I should say, is Hurricane Ian destroyed whole towns across Florida and even into other states. People's lives were uprooted. All their belongings destroyed. It was amazing because it hit the west coast of Florida and then it even hit the east coast of Florida. And one family I saw in the east coast of Florida near Daytona Beach, this was on the news down there, I was watching on YouTube and there was a home and had four feet of water in the house and they were going to go in and try to restore everything and try to salvage what little they could after the hurricane. The power was turned on and guess what? There was a fire because the power turned on and it destroyed everything else in the house. What a nightmare. Imagine you just, you're dealing with the hurricane and you're trying to save what little you have left and then everything else is destroyed. What a nightmare. And you know it was a nightmare because it made it on the news. (laughs) But even if your house never gets destroyed, how long do you actually stay in one place? See, we tend to think that our homes are forever, especially after we get married and we have kids and, you know, we stay there. This is our forever home. You know what? Homes are amazingly temporary. At least it is with my family. My wife and I have been married for 25 years and we have lived in seven different locations That's every three and a half years we got to move. And we've been in our current house for 10 years. So according to statistics, it's time to go. But the kingdom of God is going to last forever. What we view as forever is usually only a few years. But the Bible says in Daniel chapter 4, verse 34, his dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. That's why Jesus said, seek first. That is, make your number one priority the kingdom of God. And all this other stuff that you need, the passion, the pleasure, the position, all the stuff you need or you want, it'll be taken care of. Seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. Make your number one priority something that's going to last. You know, we think certain things last. You know, my car is getting old. It's about 15 years old and it's getting more and more expensive with repairs. And so I started looking at, a new vehicle or a used, a good used vehicle. 
And then I look at a friend of mine who has a truck who just hit 200K and it's 20 years old. And I don't know how much longer it's going to last, but I'm hoping mine lasts for six more years. Yeah, right, right. I want to last, I want my car to last 21 years. That's asking for a lot. But who knows? Things in this life don't last, but God's kingdom does. So you got to build your life on God's kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar, after losing his sanity and living his entire life on himself, when his sanity returns, he learned that. He learned that everything he has and everything he earned is temporary, and it can be taken away in a single night. Because it was. But God's kingdom lasts forever. Second thing he learned. God's approval matters more than all others. Everyone else may disapprove of me, but if God approves of me, it doesn't really matter. We only need one person's approval. No one else matters. If God likes you and you like it, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. You don't need other people's approval to be happy. You just need God's approval. The next verse, verse 35, all the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. When you die, who do you want saying a good job? The people around you or God? You made your life count. Who do you want to... Who do you want to say that? God or a bunch of peers? I think back how silly I was in high school, how I valued other kids' opinions. And even now, I could care less. So imagine anyone's opinion. I remember I used to wear, oh, my first year of college, I went through this phase. I tried a new style. I tried to change my image because I was going to a new school. I, I lost a bunch of weight. I was extremely healthy. I only shopped at trendy stores in the mall. I wore certain trendy shoes like Nike Airs. I only shopped at the most expensive stores. I spent 20 minutes every day combing my hair and putting on the right cologne. You name it. I spent thousands dressing how people wanted me to dress, wearing the clothes that were ridiculously expensive and popular. And what's funny is it actually worked once. As I went on a date with the best looking girl in my college classes, she even said she went on me because she liked how I dress. She didn't know anything else about me. She just liked how I dress. Too funny. She didn't last more than one date. (laughs) Other than that, you want to know how much other people's opinions have helped me? None. In fact, it's almost always criticism. People usually share with you when they want to criticize you. When I was feeling down, people's opinions push me further down. When I needed advice on what to do, it was never helpful. It was always hurtful. I don't realize it when I was younger, but everyone is super selfish and they only care about themselves. People don't change as they get older. So their opinions usually push whatever agenda they have and don't take you into account at all. So you don't worry about what other people opinions are. Odds are in a few years, you won't even care. I mean, think about it. I agonized and you probably did too, what people thought about me in high school. Now, I can't even remember who those people are, (laughs) let alone their opinions. Only God's kingdom lasts forever. So God's approval is what matters. Third thing Nebuchadnezzar learned was that third, God's power is absolute. Verse 35 to 37, he does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. 
This is directly referring to Neb Knezer, who was an egomaniac. And when you are in a position of leadership, there is this illusion of power. And he saw this. And after his loss of Sandy, he realized who was the most powerful man in the world in reality had no power. It was all God's power. He humbled himself to worship the true God. See, the illusion of power is in every profession and position of leadership. And it's at the core of the test of success because we think that our success is based on ourselves when it's not. And no position of leadership is immune to this, especially in the church. Being a pastor, I realized that it is one of the most prideful positions there is. And sadly, pastors seem to like to build their own kingdoms. The local church becomes their fife, their or fief. However you say that, fife, fief, whatever. They pay lip service to God, but in reality, they think it's all about them. They talk about Jesus as the rock on which they believe stands, but in practicality, it's all about them. They lose sight of the love and mercy of Jesus and how he died for us on the cross. They talk about building his kingdom, but in reality, it's just building their local church building or building their influence, building their followers, building their social media empire, whatever it is. Here's an easy way to tell whenever you see so and Whenever you see these things, whenever you see so-and-so ministries, red flag. Whenever you see the name of the pastor on a sign, red flag. Whenever the pastor's picture is up anywhere in media, like a bulletin or pictures or outside the church or inside the church, red flag. And this one may surprise you. Whenever the pulpit is elevated, red flag. God's power is absolute while ours is an illusion that many times God takes away from us just like Nebuchadnezzar. Fourth thing Nebuchadnezzar learned from this event was that God never makes mistakes. We do, but he doesn't. So we don't understand why everything's happening, but he does. We don't have to understand. And I'm sure the people in Babylon went, we've got a leader who went insane for years. And I'm thinking, how did they control the situation? How did they maintain order without the king in a monarchical society? God's still in control. All these things are saying God is in control. And Nebuchadnezzar sees maybe for the first time how God doesn't make mistakes. So what does he do? He looks up to God and then he wakes up to his greatness and sees that God is in control. And and Nebuchadnezzar starts to worship God. And he learns these four amazing truths that when he finally regains his sanity and he begins to worship God, not some statue of himself that he made. So Nebuchadnezzar, after he failed the test and he learned these four things, he looked up to God, he worshiped God, and then the third thing he did, and that what we need to do when you're going through a failure, he spoke up about his recovery. He he tells others how God has saved and changed him. I love the fact that this is a pretty humiliating experience. I mean, seriously. To be the most important man on the planet and now you're out there drooling in the desert, you can't even put sentences together? But he's not shy about it. He's not embarrassed about his fall. He's not embarrassed about how God restored him. In fact, he tells the entire world. This is really cool. I I didn't think I ever knew this was in the Bible until I started this series. He tells everyone who listens. This whole chapter is from Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel 4, chapter 1. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar, to the nations and peoples of every language who live on all the earth. He's saying, hey, everybody, I got a story. And I want to tell you all. I don't care where you are, who you are. It's to people of every language who live in the earth. I want to tell you my story. 
If Nebuchadnezzar were in a church, he'd stand up and say, Hi, my name is Nebuchadnezzar, and I'm a believer who struggles with pride. He says, I wrote this letter to all the leaders of the world throughout the nations. The letter starts in verse 1. It says, May you prosper greatly. That's how he starts. Nice, nice greeting. Verse 2, it's my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. Whoa, that's how he starts. He starts by saying, let me tell you about what God's done for me. Has God done anything for you? Has God saved you from anything? Has he shown you grace to you in any way? Have you been changed by God in any way? I remember when I was 18, I was kicked out of my house. I was living in a park. And I was extremely lonely. I didn't know where to turn. I got out of that park. I moved in with a friend. And eventually I started going to college. I started partying, trying to fill the void in my life. Going to party, coming home. And I remember one night, it was around 3.30 in the morning. I came home from a party. I wasn't really drunk. I was a little buzzed. But I come home and I went to the bathroom. I flushed the toilet. And I watched the toilet go down. I flushed it several times. And as I was staring at the porcelain throne... I thought there's got to be more in this life than just watching every day go by, day after day, watching the water just go, go, go through the cycle as it spins around the bowl and flushes, spins around the bowl, then flushes. And I must have watched that like five or seven times. There's got to be more to life. And then God showed me his love, his care, the reality of the gospel, the reality how much of that Jesus loves me, died for me. And it never left. And it changed my life. It changed how I treat others. It changed my life's direction. It changed what I do for a living. It changed everything. And that's what happened to me. I've told many, and it healed the wounds that I had inside of me. It healed the pain of loneliness and starving for a relationship. It healed everything. And that's me. And I've told many, and I'm going to continue to. Because it's the most important thing in my life. Have you told anyone? Have you told anyone how good God has been to you? Are you telling anyone why or why not? Why haven't you told his story of what he's done to you? If you're kind of embarrassed to do that, you know what that's called? It's called pride. That's your problem. That's the very problem that got Nebuchadnezzar in trouble. When you're saying, I don't want to talk about God to my friends or the people I work with, I'd be embarrassed to say God has been good to me. I'm embarrassed to talk about how he's changed my life. That's pride because it's not about you anymore. It's about God. You need to think about that one. You need to think about telling the whole world how God has helped you. See, one of the ways you show your humility is by telling others how you're not that special. The whole story that we just looked at for the last three podcasts of this test of success boils down to God is God and you're not. He's in control. And when you remember that, whether you're in success or you're in suffering or if you're in a failure, it's going to keep you stable and keep you humble and keep you from falling. You won't forget God. Why don't you be like Nebuchadnezzar here and pray like him? Say, God, I don't want to get complacent and comfortable in my life. I want to pay attention to the warning signs. I want to stop putting off what I know to do is right. I don't want to procrastinate anymore. I want to humble myself before you. Maybe you're caring too much about what other people think. I have three teenagers. This is a huge concern for them. And every other person in the world their age, nobody is immune to that. But the sad thing is many times we don't grow out of it. 
it just becomes more firmly entrenched in our life. And maybe we need to start asking God to forgive us for worrying about the approval of other people. Remember, you don't need other people's approval to be happy, to be content. God's approval is all that matters. Remember that God's approval is absolute, that he's in control. History is God's story. And he is bigger than any problem that you or I are going to face. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe that he never makes any mistakes because he's always true. He's always just, loving, and right. Then we can ask the Lord to help us tell other people to forgive us for our shyness, for our cowardice, for our embarrassment. Because if we, if I'm truly humble, I'm going to tell other people all the good that he's done for me. Help us to tell others how you saved us, how you changed us, and how you gave us hope. Just letting people know what God's done for you. So to recover after failing the tests of success, simply do what Nebuchadnezzar did. He looked up to Jesus, he worshipped him, and then he told others about his love for him. Well, that's it for the test of success. I hope that that encouraged you in some way. And next pod, we look at the seventh test, which is the test of learning from the past. Look forward to that one. All right, I'll see you next week.